Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. I'm podcasting from the European Society for Medical Oncology 2023 Congress in Madrid, Spain. My guest is Dr. Henry Cure, a breast cancer surgeon at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas, who is the Robinson Endowed Distinguished Professor of Surgery and Cancer Research and serves as Executive Director of the MD Anderson Cancer Network Breast Programs. He just presented results from a study looking at whether some women diagnosed with early-stage triple-negative breast cancer or early-stage HER2-positive breast cancer could skip surgery if they had a pathologic complete response to chemotherapy before surgery. Dr. Kira, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot. So before we start talking about the research, just so all our listeners are aware, could you please explain what a pathologic complete response is? Because most of our listeners are patients and they may not be aware. Sure. So for certain types of breast cancer, there's a um, a higher risk potentially of recurrence, both locally and somewhere else in the body. Those used to be triple negative breast cancer and what we call HER2 positive breast cancer, where when I said used to, now we've got really effective agents and better and better agents actually that improve survival and prevent distant as well as local recurrences. At MD Anderson Cancer Center, over the last uh, 25 years and more, uh, we've tended to do a lot of our clinical trials, as well as uh, now much more commonly as standard, giving the uh, systemic therapy, and this is chemotherapy and targeted therapies before surgery. And over the years, we found that when we did the surgery, sometimes mastectomy, and certainly extensive axillary surgery called the axillary lymph node dissection, the pathologist, when looking for the disease to characterize it, found oftentimes none, no evidence of cancer. And this makes sense because patients derive a increase in survival because chemotherapy and systemic targeted therapies actually can kill cells that we don't know about. And why wouldn't it kill the cells in the breast and the lymph nodes? So pathologic complete response means the pathologists under microscopic review cannot find any cancer left. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And I want to confirm too, the women in your study, they were diagnosed with either early stage triple negative or HER2 positive. So there was no hormone receptor positive disease in the study. And I'm just wondering why was that? So if we give systemic chemotherapy or what's called endocrine therapy to estrogen receptor positive, pure estrogen receptor positive cancers, the chance of having a complete pathologic response is pretty low in the 5% range. And we felt that because of the technique we developed to select patients where there's no more cancer, that to put patients on trial, it would take one out of 20 patients for us to find such a, such a case. And this is all new, this whole concept of eliminating breast cancer surgery 
And we wanted to, to go with a group of patients where the chances were extremely high. And for triple negative breast cancer and HER2 positive breast cancer with these optimal therapies is in the 50 to 70% range that no cancer cells, pathological cell response will, will occur. Okay, thank you. So now, could you um, explain the study for us? What what did you what did you set out to do? I might I might say that I will tell you what made me and my group and other investigators think about such a, or specifically why I thought that this might be an option. So first, we were looking at patients who had lymph node spread or um, what we call X-ray lymph node metastases, and we proved it. We did an ultrasound, we stuck a needle in, and these patients had cancer in the lymph nodes. And we know that X-ray lymph node dissection is associated with a side effect called lymphedema, which occurs in about 20 to 25% of our patients. So we were working and working because we were finding that 50 to 70% of these patients, we do this very radical surgery and there's nothing left. So we spent quite a long time uh, figuring out a way or we actually designed a procedure called targeted X-ray dissection, where the hypothesis was that we could just test a lymph node that was that was had cancer in it, and avoid that complete dissection if no disease was found. Because obviously, how on earth is surgery going to help those patients if there isn't any breast cancer? And we turned out that that was a pretty accurate me a method um, in the range of ninety-eight percent false negative rate or. Or the, that we might miss some cells were very, was very low in that scenario. So after we designed, uh, tested, and implemented that new procedure that we were sparing um, this extensive X-ray dissection in about forty percent of our patients, I said, "Well, why can't we just biopsy the breast cancer with you know standard?" needle, image-guided needle biopsy like we do for all diagnostic procedures in breast cancer. So we, we said, well, why don't we take a look if we could accurately predict which of those patients had no residual without actually having to perform the surgery. And we did that study. And again, these patients, you can imagine these women, we told them, and you can imagine we're following these women over five or six months, and we're looking at the breast imaging and their lymph nodes and they're shrinking and they're getting smaller. And I would talk to them and say, you know, I have a vision that maybe someday we might be able to determine which of you actually are not going to have any cancer left without doing the surgery. And we're doing a clinical trial to figure out who those patients are. This will not benefit you, but it might benefit other patients. And it was really interesting to me. It amazed me um, how the, the women went through this additional procedure going after they took all their chemo, got that needle biopsy just to help other, potentially help other patients. Because a lot of our research never helps anybody. But we were able to show that these women in that first pivotal study at MD Anderson, that we could accurately identify these patients with one needle stick um, in 98% nine, in accuracy. So that's that's kind of what led to the clinical trial that was presented here at the European Society of 
medical oncology. We presented uh, the three-year results of uh, what we call a phase two, very early small trial, but a remarkable trial where we did that and we just biopsied the breast and uh, there was no cancer after the chemotherapy. And these patients agreed to participate in a trial where we skipped actually the breast surgery and they went on to have their standard radiotherapy and their results are pretty remarkable because at three years, which was presented today here at ESMO, there was 100% disease-free survival. That is, no recurrences in the breast. And we're following these patients closely every six months. And their survival is 100% as well as distant. That is, spread somewhere else. So why is this? How, how could we not do surgery and they're doing so well? You know, I don't know why we would be surprised about this. Uh, we already knew that 60% of these patients, are there's nothing going to be there. And we selected these patients appropriately. It's early, three years, but it's very promising. Why? Because if we had missed disease, these types of tumors, which don't have a good response, tend to recur very early. But again, I caution, particularly if patients are listening to this, this is the very beginning of this new field where we're trying to avoid not only the lymph node surgery, but the breast surgery. And I think the message really needs to be for patients that it's new, it has not been proven in large studies, and it cannot be considered a standard. But I do believe, and I am biased, that this is, this is the way of the future. Why? because we're developing better and better agents for breast cancer constantly. You, there was so many clinical studies that were presented at this meeting and all around the world that are showing better, newer, more effective uh, drugs. And not only for breast cancer, you can imagine this would work for other um, high-risk uh, cancers, uh, colon cancer, a ural, uh, bladder, renal um, brain, lung, uh, prostate, you can imagine we're developing better and better agents, and we are trying to what's called de-escalate some of our therapies. That is, if it proves that the patients have a high survival with limited toxicity, why wouldn't we skip surgery? Absolutely. That's that's so promising. I'm curious, you followed the, the results that you presented. The women were followed for three years. How long do you plan to follow them? Initially, we, we designed the trial to follow them uh, for five years. And based on increasing interest as more time goes by, uh, we had closed the this trial that started in 2017, but we had now... Um, our institutional review board has agreed to expansion of 100 patients, additional patients. And along with that change in the, the clinical trial, we have requested the patients who to be followed for 10 years. And we are consented quite a few of the patients uh, on the initial study, and we plan to ask them when they finish their five-year, if they would 
mind following us along because I think that information is going to be really interesting for patients. Oh, absolutely. So just to make sure I understand, the initial study had 50 women in it, and now it sounds like you want to expand it to 150 women. Is that correct? 100 patients. We, we have expanded it to 100 okay. patients gotcha. uh, because of patient interest. Yeah. Sure. I, mean, you know, I, will, I, I, I wanted to mention one thing. Um, I mentioned the toxicity, mm-hmm. but I think because it is a new field, you know, we make these assumptions that, you know, women are going to prefer no surgery for breast cancer. You know, that, that, that it's obvious. Well, why wouldn't they? You know, who wants to have cuts on the breast? Uh, uh, it cuts anywhere, you know. But we didn't know. We, we didn't know if the patients would be nervous, afraid that their cancer is going to recur, uh, so we designed several uh, validated to include several validated patient surveys looking at their comfort with participating in this clinical trial. Patient have reported outcomes. Are, are, are they having anxiety? How is their physical health? How is their psychological well-being, their sexual health? What is their perception of their breast, of their arm function, lymphedema, all of this? It's so many questions that the patients have agreed to be followed. And I can tell you, my colleague, Helen Johnson, published in uh, in JAMA Network a, a, few, a few weeks ago. It, it's available online for anyone who wants to read about it, looking specifically at how are these patients feeling. And it's pretty remarkable that these patients felt really good. They were comfortable participating in the study. And I think this is my hypothesis is that they were looking at the imaging. The tumors were shrinking, very shrinking very a lot, down to two centimeters or, or less. And the biopsy showed there was no cancer. So maybe they felt, you know, that this probably would be safe, but the decisional comfort was was pretty high and it increased over the three years and the broad overall health quality related indicators also were pretty high and increased with time. We will continue to follow these patients and we have also asked, could we follow all these parameters for the next 10 years as well? Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I can definitely understand if you knew someone's been diagnosed with cancer, I think the immediate reaction is, you know, let's get it out. I, you know, I don't want this in me, but um, but that's wonderful that everyone was comfortable, the quality of life was good, and certainly, as you said, you know, yes, chemotherapy, targeted therapy, uh, Herceptin can be tough. There are side effects, but to not have surgery and then deal with those side effects and like potentially lymphedema, as you said, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, so. You know, you've added more women to this study. This, you know, is a small early study, as you said, not standard of care yet. But where do you see this going? Do you see like larger phase three trials coming in? And, um, you know, and then I'm assuming the to do this, the the people have to be selected very carefully, as you said. Right. So with the new field, we had to be exquisitely super selective uh, in which patients we're we felt that it probably more likely than not would be safe or just as good. 
we think it could be better with toxicity, surgical toxicity, which you mentioned, lymphedema, pain syndromes, infection, um, psychological impact of scars, things like that. Um, what are the next steps? You know, I have uh, personal opinions about the next step. I will tell you, uh, certainly we're expanding the multi-center study at MD Anderson Cancer Center, um, but we're going to need a lot more of these other trials in, in diverse populations of patients. And I will tell you that there is a very large study, which is essentially trying to replicate our clinical trial, but large, much larger patients in number of patients in Korea, 530 patients. So a uh, 10 time as large study. That trial is doing really well. I happen to know Dr. Lee uh, from Seoul, and it's a multi, uh, of course, we're uh, colleagues and in, in contact about this quite a bit. That trial is doing really well. Open, I'm, I'm going to guess about five months and 10% of the patients have already, already been accrued um, on that study. I think, you know, the real interesting question, you know, as a clinical researcher, you know, what the gold standard is for clinical trials are these randomized controlled trials. That is, um, I don't decide, the patient doesn't decide what their treatment they're going to get. And sometimes they're, we don't know what they're going to get. This one, obviously the patient's going to know, and so is the, the doctor. But I really don't believe, I'm predicting this, that patients would agree to be randomized if several of these studies get with long-term, five, 10-year show that their local recurrence and their survival was high, just as high as just doing standard surgery, I don't think they would agree to be the, in this study because they may not have equipoise. That is, they may think based on those results from several of these larger studies that that's really what they care about, the toxicity, the recurrence, but the gold standard, you know, for example, you know, 45 years ago, uh, the standard was radical mastectomy. And the randomized trials had to be done with lumpectomy versus a very radical procedure. That was done at a time of 100 years of radical mastectomy. And what allowed that to move forward at that time period was that there were smaller studies that several smaller studies that showed that lumpectomy, even before we had breast imaging, by the way, which is remarkable, um, might be effective. But I think we're in, new, in a new era, much better breast imaging, better pathologic processing, ultra processing of looking carefully at tissues, and systemic therapies are so much improved. I'm not sure if patients would agree to get standard, just that they wouldn't be able to make a decision. And this is controversial. We we talk about this among um, other clinical trial uh, people and research. You know, the gold standard, sure. I would prefer to have no bias. That is, a computer decides what the treatment is, and let's see how these patients are, are doing with their toxicity and recurrence. That would be probably the strongest 
evidence that it has as good or better or worse efficacy and toxicity. But I don't think patients will agree. So I, I predict that we will have larger studies um, from multiple different uh, centers around the world and that this might be an option for some patients who would prefer not to undergo surgery. Well, that I just want to ask one more question that suggests a question to me. Um, because the people for the study have to be selected so carefully, would you get a large enough group to randomize them? Right. Yeah, you you hit it. That is That is one of the challenges in all clinical research, not just cancer research, um, is selection of these of these patients. You know, we think about this, of course, we've been working on this for a decade or so or longer. Um, so about 40% of women with invasive breast cancer will have this HER2 positive uh, disease or triple negative. So that's a large number. But when I said selected, for example, if a patient had many, many tumors in the breast, I don't think it would be feasible for us to to biopsy all of them. You know, but under image guiding with, with, with a needle, I would say in the United States, at least, and places where there are screening, where there is, excuse me, screening mammography, that we are seeing very small triple negative and HER2 positive positive breast cancers. Uh, but you're right. Uh, stringent criteria. And, you know, there's all these up there. Uh, there are the, there are, we are going to have to get better, let me just say, at our, at our breast imaging and other methods because lots of times the imaging will look like there is residual cancer, but it could be scar. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, those in that clinical scenario, we do the surgery and there's no cancer left in those patients either. So we have a lot to do in <laughs> clinical research the next several years to figure out all of those potentials where we could use better predictive imaging to help us select patients who may or may not need surgery or more radical surgery. So not all patients can have a lumpectomy. And there are patients where the disease looks very extensive still and not to upset patients, but this is the real world. It looks very dangerous. There's suspicious microcalcifications, um, masses, abnormalities on MRI that look dangerous. But the problem is our current imaging can overestimate disease. We are working on this. This, we, like you said, we just had a home down on patients where we felt that it might be the safest. But those other patients we're thinking about constantly mm -hmm. and figuring out what can we do better and how in those clinical scenarios. Dr. Kira, thank you so much. This is so promising. Again, emphasizing that this is early, not standard of care, but very, very, I think, hopeful and encouraging that down the road, this could be a possibility for some women. So thank you very much. I appreciate you sharing your research and your time. Thank you, Jamie. And I um, 
was delighted to, to speak with you today about our study. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.